we're live and uh, as you can see we're trying to mess with the webcam yeah. uh, we're just gonna be leaning in though so let's introduce the show yeah um, thanks again I think this is episode three of you know the new itineration of OAS info service Yep, you got it. Um, we are um, taking a brief departure from our last episode where we were talking about DDT Capital and its investments in Chicago and that's their general impact in local um, elections uh, by taking on an old new phone. Um, I like, want to tease our upcoming episode though before we introduce the, the topic. Uh, we looked into whether Byron Trot accepted... 2008 bailout money whether that was the source of his capital for BDT capital and uh, I thought we were going to have to do all this journalistic digging and databases and things but the answer was right out there in the open uh, which is that his mentor uh, literally he said in an interview that I learned to think like Warren Buffett uh, that's how like, like so I can be you know he's like he's like what is that but anyway, this dude, Warren Buffett, uh, took all the bailout money. He said, oh, I'm going to save the economy. I'm such a great guy. They gave him all the bailout money, and he gave some of it back to Byron Trump. And it's, like, pretty much out in the open. So we're going to be talking about that and the time that Warren Buffett did that before the great salad oil scandal, possibly as well. Warren Buffett, perennial grandpa villain of capital. Um, and we're going to be talking about the foundation of Capitals agents, uh, the Pinkertons, who, um, you know, now that a couple big uh, labor victories are in the works, Amazon, uh, which called a labor union, um, organizing out in Staten Island. Then you got uh, all the Starbucks stores across the nation um, fighting MLRB, you know, elections. Um, this is kind of like a multifaceted labor approach, and I think it's a good time to you know revisit labor history. The Pinkertons are the perennial villains within uh, labor history. What did it say? No decent man would work for the Pinkertons. Yeah, so um, we're gonna pretty much read through this whole article of what you call it um, from Team Vogue uh, back in twenty twenty uh, December third twenty twenty. A freelance journalist, Kim Kelly. Shout out to Kim Kelly at uh, what's what's the Twitter? Here? Grim Kim. At Grim Kim. Yeah. Go ahead. Check out Grim Kim. Grim Kim at Grim Kim. Uh, we got what? Oh, this is uh oh, the, you know what's uh, well, it's in the description of the YouTube video, so you, you should. The thing, right? Sorry, you're right. Uh, yes. yes, shout out to the author. We're going to yeah, read big portions of it and just discuss a little bit, you know. It's kind of like, almost like... Yeah, I mean, I think that this article covers a good arc, but I mean, we got to start with this uh, quote that we used. As one newspaper columnist put it, no man of refined sensibilities would enter the ranks of a hired Hessian of plutocracy, expecting to shoot down his brothers at the command of capital. The Hessian is a hired... German thug. Uh, mercenary, right? Well, well yeah, thug. <laughs> um, well, I was just thinking of like in Stinky Hollow, the guy was a Hessian, like mercenary from the 
from the Revolutionary War. Wow, that's wild. So maybe there was a real guy who rode around in a costume disguised as a headless horseman? I mean, hopefully Tim Burton did his research. Maybe he, no, that doesn't sound like him. I think he's onto some real stuff. Maybe we gotta do a little ghost kind of apparitional supernatural episode one of those days. But today's Pinkertons. Um, yeah, uh, we're going to read this article by Kim Kelly. Um, it kind of goes through the inception of the Pinkertons, but long story short and spoilers, Silicon Valley and all things tech are now revisiting their forefathers of capital from the Gilded Age and learning from their tricks and using the Pinkertons for their own devices. And given the recent labor victories, um, it'd be nice to draw attention to who might be working overtime to subvert those victories so yeah yeah and uh that's real man i mean that's real shit you know yeah buddy we're talking about yeah labor movement labor victories uh my union uh won a pretty nice contract imo recently geo yeah it's good stuff so, yeah, hopefully, you know, probably they are protecting me from getting fired for the show. So, <laughs> um, appreciate that. I do work as a union steward at my own job. Um, I don't know if it's as effective as I could be doing um, of a job. But there's also come upcoming labor elections in Chicago this May, May 20th, the Chicago Teachers Union. Some say the coolest union in the nation. Also one of the most radical and very politically... Fellow IFT uh, union? Uh, IFT, um, real mover, uh, real node of uh, attention in the AFT. Um, given that their elections are coming up too, um, about like three weeks, um, it'd be interesting you know, to give some context to the long history of Chicago's uh, labor um, sabotage efforts. Let's get into the article. Let's I see already it. in the first paragraph of Chicago Connection. <laughs> Let's go. Labor history is rife with colorful villains, gilded age robber barons, craven aristocrats, murderous bosses, and traitorous gangs have long populated workers' nightmares. But few enemies of the working class have loomed larger than the Pinkertons. The Pinkerton National Detective Agency was founded as a private police force in the Chicago in Chicago in 1850 and quickly expanded its reach. Its detectives initially focused on catching thieves and burglars but soon became the bane of the labor movement for their work as enthusiastic, vicious strike breakers. Throughout the Civil War era and in the decades after, Pinkerton's operatives left their bloody mark on strikes, protests, and massacres and gained a ruthless reputation for protecting the interests of capital by any means necessary. As one newspaper columnist put it, no man of refined sensibilities would enter the ranks as a hired Hessian of plutocracy, expecting to shoot down his brothers at the command of capital. Uh, Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And this is why I'm really interested in this. Uh, I haven't read this article, I'm just gonna be reacting. But um, this is pretty cool because this is like, you don't really hear about the whole layer movement until maybe like 20th century or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at this time when they were developing their techniques of strike breaking, I mean, it was it was quite vicious and violent and all out in the open. Yeah, and I mean, that, to go back a little bit, I mean like, uh, 
just you know the Pinkertons begin as a detective agency to solve crimes and burglaries well that's how you get the public trust I mean like I used to think the Pinkertons were kind of cool I wanted to be a private detective when I was a kid you know like I don't know like like back when I didn't understand you know like everything about I you know it's a pretty cool job and like the right. old movies and stuff they're Sherlock always like Holmes. independent I didn't realize he was a cop you know <coughs> cop sickle fan I thought he was a cool guy and he's just like a weirdo but like yeah like a private detective they you know like the old school you know like like robber bear and detectives for Pinkertons I thought they were good people but that's how you get public buy-in and saying that they're solving everyday crimes and set people's everyday problems that you know the government doesn't have time to solve or troubleshoot well this is the same shit people say about the cops it's like oh right. the cops are out helping everybody there i imagine there is precious little attention focused on uh you know saving uh you know babies candy from the <laughs> candy thief i think is right. probably pretty seems like they really got their uh hit their stride when they started strike breaking and massacre and all that well i mean like and then to go back because we've done um some episodes on chicago's history and uh chicago was basically founded because of its nexus of rivers to the to lake michigan serving um for a lot of industry and for transportation you know through barge and um so it attracted a lot of workers mainly men that were just like you know, from all over the world, piled on top of each other, working these awful jobs and making these this money that mostly just afforded them enough money to get drunk regularly. So people would get drunk all the time. Uh, that's how much money I make. <laughs> yeah, that's like he says, how much money I make. <laughs> that, that was real good. Um, all right. That was a good one. Uh, Got ourselves on the back. Yeah. More okay. things change. Uh, yeah, that's real uh, shit. And I would just say, that's it's kind the, of amazing that Chicago has remained this nexus. Yeah. You know... I, it's maybe something testament to the stalwart Chicagoan who is fighting to, you know, stay, survive and stuff. Yeah. Um, they would love to genocide Chicago off the map yeah. and, and just start over, you know, Greenfield. Yeah. I mean, that's... We're like, not going to let that happen. That's the problem with, like, gentrification. It's its war on the townies of the town that basically has developed Chicago's capital over time and then has eventually pushed out. Uh, but let's keep going. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, no, nah, it's all good. Just exactly what it's about. Gentrification is about genocide in Chicago. And you heard from uh, Mr. Uh, you know, Jose Santero right here. Um, the list of Pinkerton injustices against the working class spans centuries, and as a new report from Motherboard appears to show, the agency is keeping up with the times. So they are still active. Still bastards. The Pinkertons who are now a subsidiary of Swedish security company Securitas AB, are reportedly cozying up to 2020's version of the Gilded Age Robert Baron, Silicon Valley tech bosses like billionaire vampire Jeff Bezos, who has hired the Pinkerton Detective Agency to reportedly surveil workers at at least one of Amazon's European warehouses and infiltrate its worksite, according to documents obtained by the publication. There is a dreadful sort of irony to the idea that today's innovative, innovation-obsessed captains of industry really are taking a page from the Gilded Age forebearers by hiring the Pinkertons, and that a plutocrat is still a plutocrat, whether he's wearing a top hat or a garish swim trunk. Top, you soak toppers. The other thing is, a European Pinkerton has got to be a real sicko. Ooh. Like, in, yeah, I'm not even... Okay, <laughs> you, can, you can have your moment as we, as we round this up. 
Uh, as for the Pinkertons themselves, these former Union-busting mercenaries of old are not only alive and well, they appear to have been repurposed into a nightmarish data-driven geek squad. An Amazon spokesperson acknowledged that the company hired the Pinkertons, but told Motherboard that those workers were used to secure high-value shipments in transit. We do not use our partners to gather intelligence on warehouse workers, the spokesperson said. All activities we undertake are fully in line with local laws and conducted with the full knowledge and support of local authorities. Maybe not our workers. <laughs> that makes it worse. Yep. <laughs> um, we, we coordinate with the police, is what that said. Nice machine you built. Dolls. And that's in the Pinkertons, or spies, sleuths, mercenaries, and thugs, being a story of the nation's most famous and infamous detective agency. As Paulo Hara wrote, the agency was simultaneously a tool for capital, a myth in American folklore, and a manifestation of state power. Anarchist writer and labor organizer Lucy Parson... Hometown hero? Oh yeah. Shout out to Parson Labs doing great work in Chicago's Twitter. Good Twitter for yourself there. Put it more bluntly, writing in 1886, there is a set of men, nay, beasts for you, Pinkerton detectives... They would do anything. That same year, a bomb was thrown into a crowd of workers gathered in Chicago's Haymarket Square and the policemen and Pinkerton surrounded them. And seven anarchists were arrested despite zero evidence linking them to the specific crime. A Pinkerton detective testified at the sham trial that sent Parsons' husband, Albert, and three other anarchists to the gallows, alleged, alleging a vast conspiracy. I have a, a, like a Twitter character is like the anti-conspiracy theory, anti-fake news lib, mm. who like argues that the official story of the the Haymarket Square bombing is true and the anarchists were like what? throwing, like, <laughs> imagine such a person. See, it's so much of a Chad Kyle's official history is about how the official history was written so corruptly to benefit the corrupt power that's still benefiting today. It's just like people just own up to it. It's like, what are you going to do about it? run for office back get a clipboard and start taking signatures change the world <clears throat> that's exactly what we're gonna do yes right. every day yep keep on grinding with that electoral stuff and mm-hmm. other stuff too you know kind of mutual aid, whatever else full course press by any means necessary yep that's what they got that's what we need um seven years later the Illinois governor pardoned the three living Haymarket anarchists out there identifying the police and Pinkertons as unreliable narrators. Mm, hate to be that. Shortly before the pardon, the Pinkertons had also taken part in one of the 19th century's bloodiest labor conflicts, the 1892 Homestead Strike. Steel workers at Robert Baron Andrew Carnegie Steel Mill in Homestead, Pennsylvania, refused to ratify a new con- union contract that cut their wages. So Carnegie's agent, the rapidly anti-union Henry Frick, fired all uh, 3,800 of them and brought in 300 Pinkertons to occupy the property. There's a Byron D. Trout connection here. Oh my God. Can I finish the last sentence? But no, no, you go first. Byron D. Trout says that he read Andrew Carnegie's oh. like in, inspirational autobiography as a child and that like taught him how to be like who he is. Oh man, he's probably is hiring the Pinkertons for all kinds of shady stuff the workers of Pinkerton detectives fought in a 12-hour gun battle that's pretty cool messed up after three of their own and at least seven workers were killed the Pinkertons surrendered but the strike ultimately collapsed damn man imagine 300 Pinkertons taking on a bunch of workers 
out of 3,800, like some of these, oh my God. <laughs> I think I read something where they, they had an armored boat during this struggle. <laughs> But the, the worker, they hadn't really worked out all the kinks in it yet, so it didn't work at all. And the, they would, like were so hot inside because the workers, I think, set it on fire. Like, oh, they intuitively shit. knew that they could just throw a fire on it. Oh, wow. And then the, they, the, all the Pinkertons had to surrender, and, and the workers held them hostage and like took you know like victory photos of them. And... As you would, I suppose. Man, that's messed up. So they thought they might intimidate them. But, like, look at the big toy that we got. And they're like, hey, fire, hot, aha. Yeah, that's a part of the, you know, that also goes along with electoral strategy. You gotta have, you know, those kind of moments too, you know, let's just say. Yeah. Um, All right, let's keep going. In recent times, the Pinkertons have tried to leave behind their thuggish thuggish image and pivoted toward more white-collar efforts like corporate investigations and comprehensive risk management though their operatives were called in to handle security during a strike in West Virginia in 2018. On its website, the company touts a propriety of analytical approach to corporate surveillance by using big data and machine learning technology to identify, manage, mitigate business risk for clients. In 1936, the U.S. Senate's LaFollette Civil Liberties Committee Bob, Yeah, Bob LaFollette. This Bob is a good La report. La to check out we could do a whole series of episodes oh, on this snap, committee report cool we should um launched a year-long investigation into widespread anti-labor practices like industrial espionage and strike breaking by detective agencies including the pinkertons the following year robert pinkerton ii a great grandson of the founder purportedly ended the agency and agency's anti-union work oh man following year so 1936 okay so like the, the FBI wasn't too far behind I think um, the agency is clearly proud of its history and to be sure it has notched a few legitimately impressive wins over the centuries like spying for the Union during the Civil War providing support to militant abolitionist John Brown what yeah this I would question what kind of false flag situation surrounded they, that? Man, they set up John Brown to die. They, that's what they did. He thought he was going to really do it. And yeah. Well, it's uh, there's a filibuster angle with John Brown, too. You oh, know? Really? Because he fought this whole guerrilla war in Kansas, but against the slavery supporters. It was, they basically want to try and make Kansas a slave state, and so they have bleeding Kansas. Right. And all different parties were sending arms to the opposite sides. Whoa. So he was like an anti filibustero yeah, so he bit, yeah, he was basically part of like Philip Hunter a little bit. Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty cool. It's cool. I mean, in those times there's like really like not that as many cool things to be than that, I think. Yeah, I think but that's a pretty cool thing to be. I mean It's awesome. It's like that's 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 tops. Um, but let's keep going. Foiling and assess oh yeah, yeah. So this is uh, what the Pinkertons are proud of. The agency is clearly proud of its history and to be sure it has notched a few legitimately impressive wins over the centuries, like spying for the Union during the Civil War, providing support to militant abolitionist John Brown and foiling an assassination plot against President Abraham Lincoln. If you take a really cynical look at all three being connected, maybe, you know, they weren't so cool about it. But I, I wholeheartedly endorse that. Yeah. Yeah. That uh 
like, what the fuck? This is total bullshit. Like, they didn't help the union. They helped themselves, I imagine. I mean, the Civil War dragged on for a real long time, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe this episode or another episode, we could, like, Google exactly, like, how they quote-unquote helped. Yeah. And uh, see about how maybe helpful totally the Pinkertons were. Yeah, maybe we were totally wrong. Maybe there was actually good Pinkertons in the mix. We don't know. Um, but yeah. these outstanding events... I don't think so. Uh, but these outstanding <laughs> events... It doesn't seem like... <laughs> it's just... Like a cap for Pinkertons. Uh, the outstanding events pale in comparison to the great harm the Pinkertons have wrought. Their model, which flouts menacingly beneath an an all-seeing eye logo, is "We Never Sleep," and the sanitized timeline available on their website is an exercise in deception by omission. For example, the eighteen fifty-five entry mentions how they specialize in protecting railroad shipments for several Midwestern railways, but conveniently skip past the Great Railroad Strike in eighteen seventy-seven, where Pinkertons work as infiltrators and a months-long open conflict that left over a hundred people dead. Team Bogus reached out to the Pinkertons for comment. Ha ha ha. The problem. Well, I mean, uh, one thing though, one they, we have been uh, they've been doing some good stuff on the subliminal jihad about the. Uh, mm. The rise of the robber barons, Gustavus Myers and stuff. Maybe you could call him an American Marx or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they've been talking about how all of the railroad companies and the different businesses supplying the union effort were doing massive frauds. And they were selling tainted meat. They were selling mm. broken boots. They mm. were selling rifles that killed the person if uh, they shot them. Jesus. You know the Brad Pitt movie? Which one? The one with the gun that kills you if you shoot it. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Mexican. It's kind of racist. Yeah, well, but, but the idea really, is commonplace. Probably yeah. they had similar issues in the Mexican army. with the, Oh, yeah, real shady. Everyone's just, yeah. You know, the contractors despoiling the, the public purse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I wonder if maybe during the Civil War they were assisting the robber barons and despoiling the public purse in some way. Definitely. I, I mean, I have no clue. <laughs> they might be kind of dead. Yeah. There we go. All right, let's keep going. They proudly note their role in going after Old West outlaws, Jesse James and Butch Cassidy, but don't mention that their operatives were suspected of brutally maiming Jesse's mother and killing his nine-year-old half-brother in an 1870 raid on James's house. A few days later, police brutality, man. A few days later, a Pinkerton detective named James McParlin was hired to infiltrate and disrupt the union organizing activities of the Molly Maguires. The Molly Maguires were a secret society of Irish immigrant coal miners who advocated for workers' rights, terrorized, and even killed foremen and supervisors. Man, that's rough. And because they were loath to fight a rich man's war, rebelled against the Civil War draft. Wow, so that might also be how they were helping the the union yeah are they from illinois <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> michigan for sure <laughs> so it's definitely a type uh thanks to mcmarlin's efforts a number of molly mcguire's oh my god were executed by the state in 1877 jesus according to the new republic the pinkertons were brought in alongside the colorado national guard during the 187 18 blah, during the 1914 ludlow massacre mm in which the guardsmen attacked and set fire to the camp where miners and their families slept. 66 people, many of them women and children, died in the attacks. 
I could go on and on, but suffice it to say, Pinkerton history is not typical of a risk management firm. Yeah. That's one of the reasons public relations were in invented mm. was because Rockefeller was mixed up with the Ludlow massacre. Oh my God. And people like, hated him for it. So they wanted to kind of invent a way to try to, and that's when he started doing all his charity and stuff. I, th I feel like we're just giving the tech robber barons like ideas for like just how much they can get away with. Like, you know, I, I, that, that's also, that's the other side of the corner. That like they're, they're, like they're listening and with their AI and stuff. Yeah. Their AI junior bots. Like, I think I have something suspicious. And some intern's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, I think this one's broken. Then, oh yeah. The human machine pairing. Yeah. Every monotonous machine requires a person to maintain and monitor it, so. I think they just have like three cheap interns doing it all. Yeah, but they're people, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, being experimented on set. Um, oh, yeah. that's good. And how to make human machine hybrids, you know, trying to merge your consciousness with the machine's consciousness, you know, mm -hmm. all that kind of philosophical stuff. Mm. I feel like Bezos would be into that. Yeah. It's no humanism. Yeah. Ooh. Pinkerton AI bots. That's where that's where that's going. Um, and it's yes. no surprise that the Pinkertons are now working with an Amazon facility in Europe. Just like their nineteenth century counterparts, massive tech monopolies have been accused of anti union and anti worker activities. Sometimes tech companies go further and just propose and fund their own legislation as we've been lifted with California's toxic proposition twenty two. So hiring the literal Pinkertons to reportedly surveil workers reads just as just one more volley in the war on the working class. But there is another lesson we can draw from labor's past. It's that people will only put up with so much before they take action. In the 19th century, they reach for pistols and dynamite. These days, many union battles are waged in court and on the picket lines. But let's not rule out pistols and dynamite. Well, I think that's probably where it's going with inflation. But on November 20th, the Retail Wholesale and Department Store Union, RWDSU, filed for a union election with the National Labor Relations Board to represent 1,500 workers at Amazon's warehouse in Bessemore, Alabama. If they win, it will be a historic victory of workers in the state that remains key to the grand project of organizing the South. On Black Friday, Amazon workers in 15 different counties staged a coordinated day of protest. The battle has only begun. The Pinkertons oh, may so never sleep. No, no, okay. Oh, sorry. There's a last line? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. My bad. Okay. Um, the Pinkertons may never sleep, but the workers have awakened. Hey. Bye. Good article. Good stuff. Very good job. Grim Kim. Grim, Grim Kim. On Twitter. Twitter. At Grim Thank Kim. You. Kim Kelly. Um, this article's about... Do you want to like, retweet old. it right now? And, like, be like, yeah, I think that's fine. That's fair. Let's be just like... Okay. Source... A good half hour uh, well let's retweet it with the link to the episode yeah <coughs> uh, that was a fantastic article yeah and I thought it was a good overview of the Pinkertons and what they're about you know um, the, well it's something special because this must have been written before the Bessemer strike ended right right and well we also know that well that union election didn't go their way um that um was not a success story there was a recent amazon success story and bigly bigly good and i mean like you can't help but you know uh figure that it's all been built on the success of like this war of attrition against the pinkertons like i 
wouldn't have done an in-depth uh, dive into Pinkerton's history as I thought of as useful political praxis like three years ago. But today it seems like, okay, this is, you know, Kim Kelly was very ahead of her time. And, uh, yeah, I think the threat is real, yeah. and the threat of this fascist violence is real. Yeah. You know, and that we should all become aware of this threat and and try to uh, do what we can to oppose it. You know. Most up, most up. I think it's uh, pretty cool because I remember at the time hearing about Amazon using like AI for traffic lights mm-hmm. in their strike, uh, and like trying to time the traffic lights so the union organizers couldn't talk to people after work. Yikes. And uh, I think that uh, part of the Chris uh, Small strategy was like they had like barbecues right in front of the entrance and just openly defied the management. Yeah. And that's pretty cool that they got like they got around the AI by like yeah, just, just being like, no, uh, fuck off. You can't tell me what to do. It's the oldest, uh, I mean like you're inviting people to a cookout. Like what do you... What are you going to, like, how many laws, they've been trying to make laws against that forever. You can't, people are just having food outside. Like, what are you going to do? It's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a beautiful it's thing. Beautiful thing. It's beat, it's beat in the Pinkertons, you know. And uh, put the pink, you know, they have other things and Bezos is kind of a nut job, you know. Well, is he crazy enough to close down that warehouse space right now? He's trying to get away with not recognizing the union at all. Uh, I, I think it's going to be pretty difficult to close down, like, warehouse space in New York City mm-hmm. uh, how's he gonna do that it makes no sense he's gonna have all these trucks just drive into New York and then drive out <laughs> every day like it's gonna be a nightmare it's gonna ruin it. it's impossible <laughs> I mean I'm not gonna count my chickens for the hatch or whatever but yeah. I, this is, I think it's pretty it's like a lot of Amazon packages go out in New York City New York continues to be a um, a foundation um, for these movement moments you know that uh, we had some progressive uh, wins out there and this is definitely I think the next big wave that I think the nation is like reacting to and I think like uh, you know the one thing some people criticize the business unions are following the formal routes and people say oh just have a wildcat unions I, th- I mean I don't know who says that mm-hmm. I can't think of anyone specific but I feel like it's been said out there but I think there is value in having the official union mm-hmm. because that's going to survive you know it's like and they got help from the Teamsters, right? And the Teamsters mm-hmm. went through their difficulties, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a rough childhood. But now you got the Teamsters with Democratic Union, right? And stuff. I, and uh, it's just it's it's very inspiring. It's a good thing. I absolutely, you know, I I mean, I don't mean to give them all the credit for like the labor work. You know, we you've been in it for a minute at your respective uh, stuff. I've been in it. You know, I feel like Chicago, like people brush up against it, but. Like, like you said, like the Teamsters have such an influential force in, in labor and it's felt like they almost like buy their time to influence labor at opportune at moments, elections being, you know, a pivotal one. And after these last couple of years, there's been like this organic meshing of like all union cultures. These, these subgroups are becoming a lot more a lot bigger i guess our, our one big union one big union one big tent one big union being the goal again yeah. you know like that one used to union. be that's how they broke the labor movement was breaking them into trades union and smaller unions and to niche unions and right now you know um SEIU, it's been a slow conservative kind of union building they, they endorsed michael bloomberg for mayor uh, for president not ideal 
Not ideal. Bad but, vibes. Very bad vibes. But now Michael Bloomberg kind of owes them one. If he would look like a super jerk pushing back against their unionizing efforts within uh, Starbucks, well, even though I'm sure he's not a super huge fan of it in theory. Maybe as a personal a, slight a against Hulk Schultz. That might be related to yeah. what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, these flight traffic controllers. Oh, the, yeah. Remember that? Reagan. Yeah, Reagan. Mm. They donated to his campaign fund. Uh, and they gave him all kind of money and stuff. And then as soon as they went on strike, he he, uh, he screwed them over. Yeah, he, that's why Michael Bloomberg can't be president. Yeah. Or given any real power. Well, maybe really we has. can string along to do something like, like sponsor a podcast or, or something like that. Michael yeah. Bloomberg, prove us wrong. Just give a, keep giving us money, you filthy pay pig. I, and you'll yeah. be proving that communism is bad by Could giving us money. Could he sue us if we have like a little caricature puppet like the, of him that like talks to us about his awful capitalist perspective? Like, no, that sounds like a great project for the, uh, you know, doing some kind of CGI. Like Brianna, like a capitalist like Buffett or Bloomberg or like Musk, like the different recurring capitalists sure. and we just like argue with them. I think that That sounds great. great. That sounds awesome. Yeah, would you want to do a CGI or with a puppet? I mean, I think that whatever whatever we can muster up, I can muster up puppet stuff. If you're in, I think I might like to check out the Blender software. Okay, and, hey, do it and see if I can make a that'd be cool, interesting puppet. That'd be good. Let me show. You want to check out this Lincoln assassination thing? Yes. How did the okay? Now this is where the book journalism ends and where the street journalism begins. We are going to be googling. Yeah, the Baltimore plot. The Baltimore plot. All right. So, uh, I'm a false flag expert. I've studied a lot of false flags. And uh, I feel ready to assess. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna read through this type of stuff. The Baltimore plot was a conspiracy in late February 1861 to assassinate President-elect Abraham Lincoln and route to his inauguration. Alan Pinkerton, founder of the Pinkerton National Detective Agency, played a key role by managing Lincoln's security throughout the journey. Though scholars debate whether or not the threat was real, clearly Lincoln and his advisors believed that there was a threat and took actions to ensure his safe passage through Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, uh, I have an aside here. Did they continue to handle his notoriously poor security? Ooh, uh, looks like it. Yeah, to the very end. His security was not very good on the day that he was assassinated. No, famously not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the day he was successfully assassinated. Like the, the person who was uh, supposed to be standing in front of his door was like uh, gone from their post and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well... On November 6, 1860, Lincoln was elected as the 16th president of the United States, a Republican, and the first to be elected from that party. Shortly after his election, many representatives of southern states made it clear that the Confederacy secession from the U.S. was inevitable, which greatly increased tensions across the nation. A plot to assassinate Lincoln in Baltimore was alleged and he ultimately arrived secretly in Washington, D.C. on February 23rd, 1861. Okay, we have another false flag, red flag. Okay. Which is that this uh, 
assassination plot occurred at a time when the war was not going on yet. Right, right, right. So this is just leading up to secession. They're like, we're just going to shoot his ass. Yeah, so that seems like this was probably like a diplom, like a, like this during his time of diplomacy, uh, like oh, having this paranoia of danger and yeah. Yeah, they could have just like made up this shit to mm-hmm. be like get closer to the president or whatever. I mean, the Pinkertons are loyal servants to capital, and it seems like this was a civil war between capitalists, ultimately. And <clears throat> I guess like. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. I'm not gonna edit that out, fans. That's just you know life. That sometimes you have a coughing fit in the middle of a sentence. Um, I found this brother. All right, let's let's keep reading. Yeah, a, a planned train route through Bel uh, Bel Air, Ohio, to Wheeling, Virginia. West Virginia had yet to break off to Virginia, and eastward was subsequently rerouted through the Pittsburgh vicinity, through Pennsylvania into Maryland, and eventually to Washington. Okay, here's false flag, red flag number two. Okay. The railroads. Okay. So these Pinkertons did railroad strike breaking. They were close to the railroad bosses. Oh. Whoa, look at you. Good analyst. Aye, that's me. Yes, you're right. That's how they got their start, right? Isn't that how they went? National? You know, out of Chicago and everywhere else i mean european contracts that sounds very lucrative very lucrative you know for the remainder of his presidency lincoln's many critics would hound him for the seemingly cowardly act of sneaking through baltimore at night in disguise sacrificing his honor for his personal safety however the efforts at security may well have been prudent okay well that needs a citation right yeah it does has no citation so where's the citation missing thing? All right. yeah, Let me edit this. Messed up. Yeah, where they asking us for money? This needs this additional. Needs, hey, it actually says this needs a citation. This article needs additional citations for various Wikipedia. Oh, all right. Well, somebody else kind of took over. One day in my next life, I'll be uh, Wikipedia. Yo, warrior. Alan Pinkerton looks shady. I shouldn't profile people, but he looks shady. That's AF man. That that beard, no mustache for our audio only listeners. Mm-hmm. Your big beard, like like. Like shady beard, like what's he got under there? Uh, yeah. So this sounds like some kind of preliminary, like uh, public opinion engineer. Yeah, psyop. I mean, these guys are the experts, right? There is no CIA. There's no like spy network. They are the spy network. If they're telling the president, "Hey, man, they're out to kill you," and he starts his presidency with like, "Man." Like, this is it. We're and, at war. And then they start this... Ru- Maybe they also started the rumor that he was, like, a coward for sneaking into Baltimore. I mean, he would seem weak and kill a bull, probably throughout his entire presidency, and given that he was immediately killed at the end of the presidency and the way they handled Andrew Johnson, his vice president, throughout this entire time. Maybe they had their hooks in Johnson the whole time and just like, hey, man, we can kill off Lincoln at any point. Johnson was a real scumbag. Yeah. He was, like, blackout drunk at his inauguration. Yeah. And, like, the Civil War, like, plays out this stupid, like, holy war for the South about what's right or wrong in the world. Mm-hmm. And the North gets to just keep building its, like, machines of war justifiably for the war that's happening next door. And build up an international, like, military force to be able to ship weapons across the sea. 
you know, as they look to expand westward, if they're going to hit the ocean on the other side, they're already planning of like, hey, Japan's going to be like right over there. Like, how do we be friends? Well, we flex and then we, show, we sell them our flex. You know, we sell them our guns. Like, I think that's what England's doing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the, you know, breaking the, the invasion of Japan. It's called like opening of Japan because Japan didn't want to trade with the West. And then they yeah. supposedly, the mainstream issue is that this was good. But they just went to Japan like you have to trade with us. What's the trade? What's the timeline for that? What's the year? It's in the it's in the eighteen hundreds. Like oh, let's let's do a little live googling. Rabbit hole. Yeah. Rabbit hole episode. That's what happens when Jose is uh, in charge of the research. Eighteen forty-five. Yeah. So there you go. You're onto something there. Yeah, man. I mean, like this Baltimore plot. Is eighteen sixty one? Eighteen sixty one. I wonder if there are any Pinkertons. Well, the Pinkertons maybe are like you know. Because you know, there's like NYPD officers that went to Iraq. There's like an ICE officer who went to Iraq to track down treasure or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably he was like smuggling it, right? Yeah. Amazing movie with the Dash and George Clooney. Made it look pretty cool, but yeah, they just don't know that goal. Oh yeah, three. What's the real story behind that movie? America's bunch of thieves. I so mean, what? There's something probably happened, like historically speaking, that inspired yeah. that movie, right? Yeah. And probably it was like lo involved looting Iraq or something. And well, re the real maybe the real story is really interesting too. You know, we could you know someone should start a podcast about that. Yeah. Well, I thought we'd start, uh, keep going into Alan Pinkerton. It seems like if okay. Lincoln was taking, you know, like kind of embarrassed himself walking into his presidency with so little confidence in the ability of the federal government to protect him from his assassins, essentially saying the government's really more the product of your capitalist efforts than my, the people's vote. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, I mean, he was a Republican. That is probably what he really believed. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, he's from Illinois. And, uh, I I think that uh, I didn't out. think about that the um, president so depended on the trains. Look, it says he did a whistle stop tour to campaign for president. Damn. Yeah. Alan Pinkerton was hired by railroad, so he had to work with them. Had been hired by railroad officials. To investigate suspicious activities and acts of destruction. Yeah, so basically, like they said before, they were union busting. Whatever. But anyway, I mean, maybe, yeah, we can look in all these. Wait, wait, there says Pinkerton tried to persuade what? Lincoln? Uh, Pinkerton famously, where, where does it say? At the bottom. Pinkerton tried to, no, no, a little bit. All right. Pinkerton tried to persuade Lincoln to cancel his stop at Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and pro proceed secretly straight through Baltimore. But Lincoln insisted upon keeping his schedule. Pinkerton famously clashed with Lincoln's friend and escort, Ward Hill Lehman, over the president-elect's protection. Lehman offered Lincoln a revolver and a bowie knife. What? But Pinkerton protested that he would not for the world have it said that Mr. Lincoln had to enter the National what? Capitol armed. Oh my God. No, you can't. You can't embarrass my security firm that way, even though he's embarrassed embarrassing. So that's kind of like how come Lincoln wasn't packing at the theater? Right. Yeah. I don't know if he had a gun. But yeah. Well, but if his if Ward Hill Lamone would have been there, he would have been strapped. Mm. But the Pinkertons were like, no, you're not allowed to have a gun, Mr. Lincoln. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, why are they in charge? Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. On the evening of February 22nd, telegraph lines between Baltimore were cut at Pinkerton's behest to prevent what? communications for passing between potential conspirators of Pennsylvania and Maryland. That shit happened when JFK got killed, too. There was all these Man. lines that got cut. There's a lot of coincidences between JFK and Lincoln's uh, assassination, and this is another one. That's fun. They love fun like that here. Um, meanwhile, Lincoln left Harrisburg on a special train and arrived secretly in Baltimore in the middle of the night. The most dangerous link in the journey was in Baltimore, where a city ordinance prohibited steam engine power rail travel through the downtown area due to concerns about noises and fire caused by sparks and cinders. Therefore, the rail cars had to be horse-drawn between the President Street and Camden Street stations. What? According to... What? That's crazy. This sound here, you gotta use the mouse. According to... Um... Uh, Pinkerton, a captain of the roads, reported that there was a plot to stab the president-elect. And what, this is like some Freemason shit. They were like making him get off the train mm -hmm. and like sit in a rail car that's getting pulled by a horse or something. Yeah. This is like some kind of weird Freemasonic initiation. I don't know. I think, I think maybe it was logistics. But I'm saying, like... Or maybe they recreate the time that the Freemasons got one up and proved to themselves that the presidency was fake and the presidency was just a, you know, not bestowed by the creator of God, whatever weird, crazy stuff. Isn't, isn't that something, like, where the the stone cutters mm. in The Simpsons, they're like, yeah. now across the desert of a thousand blows, and then they just... He has to walk naked and get paddled. Yeah. And then they're like, now across the... Uh, the oasis of scalding water and he gets yeah. I mean man, that might just be skull and bones though I don't know if the, the Pinkerton's were into the yeah I, I think this sounds like skull and bones style initiation I think everyone has their niche I don't know I don't know alright you want to go over to Alan J. Pinkerton's article yeah this is just a weird shady stuff like basically I think Alan Pinkerton seems like he was flexing on Lincoln that's what I suspected and it sounds like that's what was going on I feel the same way. So let's look into who this man is. Who is Alan J. Pinkerton? August 29th, so he's a Leo, typical. 1819 <laughs> uh, to July 1st, when he ate it. Um, Scots-Irish. Scots-Irish. Uh, Scottish-American Cooper, abolitionist. Oh, How man. is he claiming abolitionist? Detective. I want a citation. spy. Yeah. Was he? Was he? Best known for creating Pinkerton National Detective Agency during his time in the United States. So he was born in Glasgow, Scotland. And he will die in Chicago. Isabel McQueen. He is resting at Graceland Cemetery. You want to take a trip up to Pinkerton's grave? Sure. Yeah, let's, cemetery. let's go honor Pinkerton. I wonder if he's got any spooky stuff on his tombstone. I'm sure the vibe. We'll have to do a vibe check there. Yeah, that's basically it. Just a vibe check. We're not gonna okay, so here, this is an interesting citation. As early as 1844, Pinkerton worked for the Chicago abolitionist leaders, and his Dundee home was a stop on the Underground Railroad. Hmm. So who were these uh, leaders? So he threw down... Well, there was the one godfather of the Underground Railroad out of, um, out of Boston. Um, All right, so I have set up the account already. Look at shit. It's taking a long time though. Yeah. Dundee Township, Illinois, 50 miles northwest of Chicago on the Fox River. Did, did you really need to be on the Underground Railroad at that point? At that point, you're just selling everybody in Canada. 
Yeah, that's kind of suspicious, right? It's like, yeah. oh, he's a superfluous link in the Underground Railroad. Like, what if that's just some stuff they made up? Maybe he just needed to be a link in the Underground Railroad. Put himself in there. All right, it says chapter three in this book. So, yeah, if you want to keep reading Wikipedia article, or I'm just going to try yeah. to find something about... Keep going, bro. Well, it's an amazing researcher over here dealing with Wikipedia citations, so let me keep going. Pinkerton first became interested in criminal detective work while wandering through the wooded groves around Dundee looking for trees to make barrel staves when he came across a band of counterfeiters who may have been affiliated with the notorious banditti of the Prairie. Of the Prairie. Italians. Yeah. Banditti of the Prairie. So he was just wandering around when he found these counterfeiters, huh? Yeah, it's like such a medieval folklore tale. Um, tested to be a detective it's agency quite founder. suspicious. Yeah. yeah. After observing their movements for some time, he informed the local sheriff who arrested them. Oh, yeah, so he's a snitch. Look at him. Uh, this later led to Pinkerton being appointed in 1849 as the first police detective in Chicago, Cook County, Illinois. Because he was a reliable snitch to the sheriffs. And what? In 1850, he partnered with Chicago attorney Edward Rucker and forming the Northwestern Police Agency, which later became Pinkerton and Company, and finally Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Like, he was really selling a brand with the That's so stuff. wild, because that's such a Midwest path in yeah. in these different um, semi-organized crime figures in the, in the Midwest, is to be a cop, then become a lawyer, then become a businessman slash criminal. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of people... Uh, have done it that uh there's this guy uh robert cooley hmm. who who pretty much did that that's fun okay sorry that's that's yeah okay uh go yeah go ahead and and keep reading and then we'll may read a little bit of chapter three about what he was doing when he was a quote-unquote abolitionist dope look at you finding the right academic book this later uh blah, blah, blah. uh pinkerton's Oh yeah, the National Pinkerton Detective Agency, still in existence today as Pinkerton Consulting and Investigations, a subsidiary of Securitas AB. We'll look into them later. Pinkerton Business Insignia was a wide open eye with the caption, We Never Sleep. As the U.S. expanded in territory, rail transport increased. Pinkerton's agency solved a series of train robberies during the 1850s. That's pretty handy for them. First bringing Pinkerton into contact with George McClellan, the chief engineer and vice president of the Illinois Central Railroad, and Abraham Lincoln, the company's lawyer. Wow. Okay, my gut is telling me that um, Pinkerton was doing lots of crimes while he was solving crimes, and that's how he became such a successful snitch. Well, he was also working for these agents of capital, which were the railroad tycoons trying to build the, the nation together for its natural resources. And climbing their the ranks as he, you know, loots the, you know, if he's involved in these, if he's, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, like maybe it's some kind of quid pro quo where he's like in charge, he's really in charge of the robbery ring and he's I, just, snitching on them for some. And he's their detective, he's their op, so he just has to help them create the narratives and pretext for whatever laws they want passed back in Washington. No one knows what the hell's going on all the way out west. Yeah. Right? So like, 
He's the uh, yeah. He's this is police narrative building one hundred and one. He's building the template right here. Just be a lapdog to capital. And no wonder he has no respect for Lincoln and would work to embarrass him. He saw him as the lawyer and lapdog to the same people that he served. So like. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, oh, you can't have a gun. You have to uh, get out of the train car and watch while we like move it to a different line for security reasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we can go back to this book sometime. Let me let me just finish this paragraph and then want to go. Oh, no, I mean in the future. No, I lost oh, yeah. my position. You keep going. Keep going as long as you want. I'm just trying to find where I was. Okay. In 1859, he attended the secret meeting held by John Brown and Frederick Douglass in Chicago, along with abolitionist John Jones and Henry O. Wagoner. What? Those meetings, Jones, Wagoner, and Pinkerton helped purchase clothes and supplies for Brown. Jones's wife, Mary guessed that the supplies included the suit Brown was hanged in after the failure of John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry. I wonder why it failed. Man, we're just really laying it all here on Alan, but um, fuck him. So. Yeah, it doesn't... <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. Man, John Brown was like a crazy bastard. That's pretty cool. Henry O. Wagner was an abolitionist civil rights activist in Chicago and Denver. That I mean, that's wild, dude. I mean, obviously the Pinkertons set up John Brown to mm-hmm. get uh, get his shit rocked at that Harper's Ferry. And they even bought him the suit that he was going to die in. That's so weird. I mean... Like, why would you need a business suit to go do a, a oh military Oh, my God. Raid? Danny Solis used to brag about how he bought Rudy Lozano the suit that he was buried in. What if that's like some weird cop-op some kind of Freemasonic yeah like little ritual ritual well don't accept any clothes yeah definitely uh, not wearing suits that people buy me untrustworthy people yeah Um, only from OAS info accept our merch yeah we will be selling suits that are are not are variable proof tuxedo t-shirts to be buried in yeah okay maybe let's read a little bit of this book Uh, eight, in 1844, making barrels and casts, wearing his deputy's badge, became secondary to Pinkerton's abolitionist activities. He served as agent for Alicia Dyer, Philo Carpenter, uh, and the other Chicago abolitionist leaders. With the Pinkerton House, an important stop on the Underground Railroad from the South to Canada. That year, his abolitionist activities embroiled him in a bitter church controversy. Stubborn, quick-tempered, and obstinate, Pinkerton's approach was typical. He waded into the fight, figuratively sending deacons and church elders sprawling in all directions. What? Okay, it must be, I guess, a metaphor. Uh, the controversy was both ludicrous and serious. Pinkerton, a teetotaler, was accused by Elder M.L. Wisner, pastor of the Dundee Baptist Church, of atheism and selling ardent spirits. The faded pages of the old church book in Dundee gave a hint of the story, which has never been told before. Whoa. Well, that's cool. We should go check out that church book. Yes. <clears throat> Just keep following the links and the thread. The old church book. Where would we find that? 
Maybe it's online. I don't know. Let's keep reading. Uh, years prior to the arrival of Pinkerton, the Baptists of Dundee had organized their church at the farmhouse of a settler from New England. The original congregation was made up chiefly of those pioneers from the East, most a few of the Scotch families who retained their Presbyterian faith were Presbyterians, that's what Donald Trump is, joined the Congregationalists. The New England members were of the element of the church known at the time as quote-unquote General Baptists, who believed in universal salvation as against those of their church brethren who limited the hope of heaven to the baptized and their own flock. The, the old church book reveals many instances wherein members accused of violations of strict frontier denominational beliefs were placed on trial, exonerated, or officially rebuked as a matter of church discipline. Well, that's, that's pretty wild. That's oh. like a cool primary resource. Yeah. Okay, so some of the violations or accusations were breaches of orthodoxy, such as gossiping about church sisters, the slandering, of or quarreling with one neighbors of the same. So you read old books, you can, you know, it take a long time to get to the point sometimes, but we're going to get there. Yeah. Ardent spirits were the cause of many of these churchly judicial sessions. Mm. The church members put on trial humbly accepted the verdicts of the jury of church elders. That is, until the tough young deputy of Kane County was tagged by Pastor Wisner for having too liberal religious philosophy for the General Baptist. Okay, uh, what's going on with the ardent spirits, though? Is that alcohol or, like, like spooky spirits? I think it's, uh, ard, you know, ardiente, you know, aguardiente, agua ardiente, you okay. know, fire water. While there were churchly rumblings about young Pinkerton who drove to Sunday services with Joan in a farm wagon, nothing came out open until the spring of 1847 when Pinkerton was a candidate in Kane County of the abolitionist party. Oh, so that's... Okay, so now we're sort of getting into how much of an abolitionist he was. So he ran for a political position, maybe using the abolitionists. Uh -huh. What the office was for is not known, but it is probably for sheriff, or more cop shit. The Frontier was shocked one day to read a letter in the Western Citizen, a Kane County newspaper published in Batavia, oh, someplace to look into, challenging Pinkerton's fitness for public office. The letter was signed by Pinkerton's pastor, Elder Wisner. The following issue of the paper published a collective protest against the pastor's article signed by a number of young Scots, that's Scots-Irish, the, uh, the kind of Protestant uh, refugees from the wars in Ireland who would have been supporting the English side. Uh, there was nothing left for Wisner to do except file charges against Pinkerton and demand that he be put on trial in the Dundee Baptist Church. The religious storm that followed shook the frontier from Dundee to Detroit. Supporting Pinkerton were the young Scots who had settled in Dundee. On the pastor's side were the older, more conservative New England settlers. Then Wisner made additional charges that Pinkerton was using quote-unquote ardent spirits. Pinkerton, with his low boiling point, was outraged. He quickly organized a committee and sent messengers to the Scots in Elgin, oh yeah, that's near Chicago, Detroit, and Crystal Lake to gather witnesses wow. who could testify that he had never tasted liquor, never allowed it in his house, and had never smoked. Mm. Uh, but Pinkerton was well aware that Wisner's charges were superficial. The growing issue of slavery that would someday divide his church and his adopted country was beginning to split families, friends, and business partners in the frontier settlements mm. after several... Okay, so, so far, it seems like he uh, is politically affiliated with young Scots-Irish immigrants mm -hmm. who I don't... are not well-reputed for their enthusiasm for abolition. <laughs> um, 
I mean, Donald Trump's ancestry. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, I, I don't think he cared that much about abolition. It seems like he kind of was about uh, dealing ardent spirits and uh, flexing <laughs> with the younger generation. I mean, I'm guessing this was also probably the workforce that would make up the bulk of this Pinkerton force at some point. Yeah, Scots Irish, they're famous as mercenary type. I mean, you know, Ouch. not to be too racist, but. Yeah, like what? Against and not, I mean, you know, come on, they're on the wrong side of history. You know, the Irish Republicans, I think, yeah. you know, unified Ireland. Uh, no more uh, England, English out, and it was true then, and it's true now. And I don't have to apologize to the Scots Irish. <laughs> Good call. Good call. I mean, look at what they're up to here. So I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna play that right now. Yeah, they're what writing petitions to say that their ardent spirit dealer doesn't really sell ardent spirits. What's right. he doing with these young men? Yeah, they're getting wasted in the woods <laughs> with the ardent spirits. Yeah, and blame it on the Italians, man. <laughs> Framing, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, it's kind of like yeah, maybe they're already doing it. Uh, but it's uh, fucked up, man. Yeah. So you like find you know that's how you become a criminal. You get with the cops and you find a patsy. And uh, but look at him. He's looking to. He's work. He's a tribalist with the Scots. I uh, with the these these Scotsmen, um, and uh, these these new like new basically settlers, right? And uh, they're fighting the old guard. And the their way into power is to be like loyal foot soldiers to the capitalists that like are over the church and over the government. Um, so I think that he slowly works his way towards that, but in order, like, if since he is home, like, tribe comp derives from, like, this connection to this American Baptist Church, like, network that's currently being divided over abolition, abolition grants him access to these rooms, you know, um, while he's secretly just working towards the capitalists, and the capitalists end up having a civil war, maybe... That's he, a hell of a, uh... You know, switcheroo. Yeah. If he went from being a, a truly dedicated abolitionist to uh, the father of strike breaking. Yeah, I mean, like, but I mean, like, it was always in him to be this duplicitous, like, two faced kind of like, you know, be the face of like, oh, I'm the one that can run ops and like the intelligence that you can trust for the stinky stuff that you're really doing because of the network that I built. I to mean, the he, people doing yeah. abolition work while also working with the capitalists they're just like you know we're getting rid of slavery because we want machinery you know basically to take over we don't really care about the morality of the issue it's a logistics labor issue to them and uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe he doesn't care one way or the other either I, I think that it seems much more plausible that he's a Scots Irish rowdy who likes getting uh, you know inebriated with Not other young men oh. and they uh stick together and like you said he does psyops and his first psyop was getting this petition together to say that he's not an alcoholic wow but you know who's amongst us but mm. you know I, you know you can yeah. that's why you shouldn't you know try not to be an alcoholic because you don't want to yeah. get into that kind of yeah. territory anyway nope after several weeks of hated sessions in the beautiful little church of Dundee, one session was devoted to the charge of Pinkerton had circulated a book that stated Christ was an illegitimate child. A jury of church elders vindicated Elder Wisner. What? 
So he was accused of blasphemy by his pastor. Yikes. Ma- he wasn't, there was no immaculate conception like Mary uh, didn't just have like some, they just get pregnant out of nowhere. Yeah. The wow. verdict led to the withdrawal of Pinkerton and a number of Scots from the Dundee congregation. Soon similar arguments in church trials essentially over abolitionism would, but that's not about abolitionism. <laughs> I guess it's essentially over abolitionism. So I guess it's like they've attached them as atheists. They've attached themselves to the general liberatory cause. I mean, the scientific racism of it all might be like people who support abolition also supported the like return to Africa movement. You know, that was an overlap. Yes. Amer- yeah, the America for the whites. I think that's what the Scots-Irish were about. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because Lincoln was kind of like crucially on the forefront of even, you know, like trying to hold the union together, but also being on like, if we do get rid of slavery and we have all these people, like they're either part of America or they're not, like WTF. And maybe it was his ultimate, like, you know, like, hey, we have to find a way to integrate former slave population into our national fabric and like with these policies of restoration Pinkerton's like hey you guys want to call it now call it now call it now yeah I could do that at any moment that's that's the services I offer that's the Pinkerton guarantee Mr. Capital you hit the nail on the head yeah I think so I don't know let's pat pat this nail (laughs) on the back it was a lot of crazy talk that I just said. Maybe it's all. You found it. You found the thread of the truth. Uh, totally, I'm there with you. Yeah, the, the 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 Pinkertons were about the whites only, you know, movement uh, for America for whites only. Yeah. And uh, they were fucking around in these small towns that, like, to the present day, are, are like 98 percent white and shit. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they were like, okay, Lincoln is about this. He's about quote unquote abolition, mm-hmm. which means like land for whites. And actually, uh, know it, he switched it up at the end. Mm-hmm. He was maybe coming around a little bit more to, uh, like you right. said, a pluralistic nation mm-hmm. of uh, including the uh, the formerly enslaved people mm-hmm. as citizens. And then the Pinkertons were like, nope, that is not what America, you know, that is not what Land for the Whites is about. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they have spun their story to the point where they can claim to be abolitionists. Right. And uh, like we teach this to the kids, like that, like the slave, the which called underground railroad, like the ultimate goal, like people really wanted to get to Canada because that was the promised land to keep it completely away from America. This man was really just part of like that fabled narrative. I mean, it sounds more like they really wanted black people not being part of the American nation. Yeah, that's <laughs> why what, he's that's sending them up to Canada. What they were about. That's and, why you uh, would have some place northwest of Chicago <coughs> be part of the underground railroad. Uh, is it possible that the uh, Underground Railroad stop controlled by Alan Pinkerton was a house of horrors. I mean, does that happen in Chicago often? Yes. So I don't know. Probably. If it happened, I mean, recently it people could have left also to Canada happened. never to be heard from again. So it'd be pretty handy. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's cold winter. It's cold. That windy city. All right, let's. Uh, Damn, Chicago. Every time. Sorry. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. It's disappointing. 
After several weeks of heated sessions in the beautiful little church of Dundee. Uh, okay, so he was blast. So this guy could be like a devil worshipping uh, I mean, human sacrificer. The verdict led to the withdrawal. He's, a, he's at least a logic atheist. So he's right. giving ardent spirits mm-hmm. and posts some kind of some kind of pamphlets about logic atheism and the new right mm-hmm. to his followers and letting them get drunk and run around naked in the woods and mm-hmm. uh, put on, I mean, you know, I'm extrapolating here. Yeah, a lot, but I mean, I, I buy it. I buy it. There wasn't a lot to do back then. Rituals in the woods and whatnot. Getting <laughs> naked in the woods while drunk. I mean, like, that's even what, I mean, that's, that's what everybody was into. Elder Wisner was going to report yeah. him yeah. and uh, Pinkerton just made mincemeat of, El- or he, I guess he withdrew from the church. It seems like this Elder Wisner was a respected uh yeah, person. English, old body, and he's somehow kind of insinuating that his his free speech, early free speech activism, somehow is like this isn't a chapter about how he's supposed to be an abolitionist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pinkerton became restless. The pettiness, trivialities, and frontier feuds were frustrating to the aggressive, ambitious Scott. Even running the cooperage so important a few years ago had become monotonous. His family was growing. He now had a son named William after his father, and his business was increasing, but Pinkerton was restless. Dundee was still quiet and beautiful, but could not be compared with Chicago. It sounded like Claypool. Ooh. He could not be compared to Ch- with Chicago, the magic city the whole frontier was talking about. In his cooperage, Pinkerton heard stories of the expanding railroads, the mushrooming business houses, the unbelievable number of homes that were being built, the fleet of ships lining the lakeshores. He heard such tales from droves of lumber freighters, farmers returning from delivering their wheat, and lonely horsemen. Robbie Fergus was also writing brief letters glowing with description of the city. He told Pinkerton he now had a partner and more business than they could handle. Who's the partner? Mm. Right. Oh, R- Robert, Robbie Fergus's partner. Yeah, who's Robbie Fergus? Yeah, let's, let's check that out real quick. We'll have to. Yeah. I was looking into that Securitas AB. Securitas AB. Oh, okay, yeah. You want to read a little bit from that? Um. Uh, anyway, no, I'm not going to be able to Google uh, Robbie Fergus. We're going to go all over the place. All right, that's a little bit too much of a rabbit hole. Yeah, let's keep going over here. Okay, the pastoral surrounded, blah, blah. William L. Church, Sheriff of Cook County, offered Pinkerton a deputy ship. So he was appointed deputy sheriff. Cook County. After his uh, being, you know, convicted of blasphemy. Cook County Sheriff. Cook County Sheriff. Cook County Sheriff. Though Dundee, despite that bitter year, would always remain in his memory, Pinkerton had little time for romance and sentimentality. Hard-nosed practicality was more to his men. Which has a citation. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Okay, end of chapter that is cited for his commitment and to abolition. was which about petty feuds and local politicking over his, per- his church's uh, growing political split. Yeah, that's, and that's a generous interpretation. Yeah, so it granted him access to having, you know, I want to know what, what went down when he was with, uh, with our boy, um, what you call it, uh, John Brown and Frederick Douglass and uh, what you call it, Henry Wagner. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a John, John Brown chapter is the next chapter. Okay. Uh, that there was a the party you wanted to get to. 
Oh, that's right. That is true. We are celebrating a victory in Chicago. 34 people ran for local school council seats with an endorsement from the Democratic Socialists of America. 30 have won their elections. So that seems like good news for Chicago in our war against the Pinkertons. Something to celebrate. Yeah. 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 So we might be calling it here. But uh, thank you for indulging us as we dove deep and rewarned the world with uh, about the Pinkertons with our outlet. Uh, we will be looking back mostly at where we were with uh, BDS Capital, uh, everything that we'll describe, but with a lot of what we just explored here in mind next year. Yeah, yeah, and I think we can revisit, I mean, we're going to revisit the Civil War, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, it seems like you could say what Zhu uh, Enlai said about the French Revolution, hmm. that, you know, what was the outcome of the uh, Civil War, uh, you know, can't tell yet. Can't tell yet? Yeah. Well, no. Something like that. I think he said something like that. The Pinkertons are still controlling the fog of war, so we must be able a big spotlight on them. Uh, they never end. Yeah, just amazing that to this day, uh, and you know, maybe I need to start my Wikipedia fighting yeah. today. You know, start today. Get on Wikipedia, argue about whether or not Alan Pinkerton was a, uh abolitionist. It seems like it's inaccurate information. Uh, and you can cite this podcast as a citation. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. All right, you want to sign off? Signing off. Um, thanks again. Checking out our stuff. We are OAS Info Service at your service. Uh, OAS Info for short. When you're talking about it to your friends. OAS Info. Yes. And family and coworkers and fellow uh, union members and. Keep know. chatting out there in solidarity for the revolution. Peace.